This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash used dash cars. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Jake Neer in Detroit, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Ford will cut F-150 Lightning production in half. The UAW files unfair labor charges against three non-union automakers, and Asbury Automotive makes a massive acquisition. Plus, we'll hear from the president of Uplabs, Caitlin Foley, about custom developing startups for companies, including Porsche. We're not a one customer type of vehicle here. We're really looking to solve broader market challenges through this relationship with the corporation. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford is dialing back planned output of the electric F-150 Lightning pickup by half next year. The automaker says the move reflects changing market demand. It's a steep pullback of a high-profile nameplate the automaker spent most of this year working to build in larger numbers. According to a planning memo obtained by Automotive News, Ford has told suppliers to prepare for average volume of around 1,600 Lightnings a week at its Rouge Electric Vehicle Center in Dearborn, Michigan, starting in January. It had planned to assemble an average of 3,200 a week toward an annual goal of 150,000. The memo says output of gasoline-powered pickups at plants in Michigan and Missouri is expected to be essentially unchanged. Ford said in a statement that it will, quote, continue to match production to customer demand. The UAW says it has filed unfair labor practice charges against Honda, Hyundai, and Volkswagen. The union is citing aggressive anti-union campaigns to deter workers from organizing. The UAW said last month it was launching a first-of-its-kind push to publicly organize the entire non-union auto sector in the U.S. after winning new record contracts with the Detroit 3 automakers. Last week, the UAW said more than 1,000 factory workers at Volkswagen's Chattanooga, Tennessee assembly plant have signed union authorization cards, representing more than 30% of workers. The UAW filed charges over actions by Honda in Indiana, Hyundai in Alabama, and Volkswagen in Tennessee. All three automakers issued statements affirming workers' rights to engage in union activities and get information on organizing campaigns. You can read those statements and find more about the story at autonews.com. Asbury Automotive has pulled off the biggest retail acquisition so far this year. The public group says its $1.2 billion acquisition of privately held Jim Coons Automotive is now complete. The deal includes 20 dealerships and six collision centers in the mid-Atlantic. It's the largest transaction that we've tracked at Automotive News this year, based on the number of dealerships acquired. The move puts Asbury in a position to leapfrog Group 1 in annual new vehicle sales and move it from the fifth largest dealer group based in the U.S. to the fourth largest. The top three are Lithia, AutoNation, and Penske. Renault will sell a 5% stake in Nissan. It's the first stage of a planned sell-off of Renault's holding in the Japanese automaker, meant to rebalance the two companies' long-standing alliance. 
Renault plans to reduce its Nissan stake from about 43% down to 15%. To do so, it has placed more than 28% in a trust and is expected to sell down that holding gradually. Renault and Nissan finalized the terms of a restructuring of their alliance at the end of July after months of negotiations. They're aiming for a downsized but more pragmatic and agile partnership. And a couple of personnel items. Auto industry veteran Julie Freem is stepping down from her role as CEO of MEMA's Original Equipment Suppliers Group. That's effective March 31st. The group says Frame is leaving to, quote, pursue broader opportunities of leadership and learning. The association's chief commercial vehicle officer, Colin Shaw, will succeed Frame on April 1st. Meanwhile, Lucid Motors says CFO Sherry House is leaving the struggling EV startup at the end of the year to pursue new opportunities. Lucid says House resigned from the top finance role as of Monday and will continue in an advisory role through December 31st. The automaker says it has named an interim CFO as it looks for a permanent replacement. And those are today's headlines. Okay, Jamie, so the F-150 Lightning has gone through quite a few twists and turns since it was released, and it sure feels like this decision to cut production in half now is a turn away from what Ford was touting back when it launched the truck. CEO Jim Farley said as recently as August that Ford having the best-selling electric pickup is, quote, super important strategically. I'm curious what you make of this decision to slash production. You know, I think we've found over the course of this year, the appetite for really expensive EVs, whether they're pickups or sedans, has kind of been tapped out. A lot of those early adopters, the technophiles who really wanted the the latest and greatest, the, the biggest and most audacious tech available, they've kind of gotten their cars. They've gotten their Lightnings or their Model Ss or Lucid Airs, whatever they want. Uh, and that market's getting tougher and tougher to compete in. I mean, what I'm really excited about is sort of the next generation Ford electric pickup when they really design a full platform uh, that's designed to be an electric pickup. Uh, This was an interesting effort, got a lot of excitement, but uh, maybe not as much demand as was originally projected. So fair to say that Ford is not giving up on this uh, goal to have the best-selling electric pickup anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, No, I think that's safe to say. Uh, When they come out with the new truck, Uh, And over the long term, absolutely, Ford wants to be number one in electric pickups, no doubt. Well, coming up, Up Labs president Caitlin Foley talks about how the company is trying to solve broader industry challenges by helping Porsche and others create startups within their companies. That's next on Daily Drive. Lack of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle 
and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it. How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. Visit reyrey.com slash used cars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's reyrey.com slash used dash cars. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating, but is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. 2023 has not been the easiest year for startups, not by a long shot. Economic uncertainty has made it tough for companies to get beyond initial funding rounds. But Uplab says it's having success using the startup model to fix company-specific problems for clients, including Porsche and Alaska Airlines. Uplab's president, Caitlin Foley, spoke with Automotive News tech and innovation team leader, Pete Bigelow, on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. For those who don't know, what is Uplab's and uh, what is it that's kind of unique about your business model? Uh, how are you typical, different than a typical business incubator? Uplabs is a venture lab, and we work with corporations, and we develop portfolios of new companies with them. And I think one of the differentiators in our model is we're not just looking for growth vehicles for corporations. We're really looking to solve their core strategic challenges. And if you think about the whole CVC revolution and the advent of that construct, a lot of what that was intended to do was to find startups that were strategically relevant to these corporations. And I think, unfortunately, since then, it's shifted a little bit more towards a capital vehicle without a, a connection to the heart of the business. And so we're really digging in there and getting into corporations from automotive to energy to airlines and understanding what their core challenges are and solving those by building a startup company together that we actually then allow them to acquire several years down the road. So we've tried to bring together entrepreneurs, corporations and investors through this financial instrument that really hasn't been done before. And every corporation that we work with becomes the first customer of most of the startups that we launch together. So we have an established pain point. And, and funny enough, I was thinking about this recently, and I feel like if your challenge that you're solving is all over the news, it's probably too late. And so a lot of the fun that I have is 
trying to find unarticulated problems inside these companies. And that's a lot of what we spend time doing is finding something that looks off where we can bring that to the company's attention. And all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, you're right. That's, that's exactly the aha moments that we're looking for. And then we develop a product by testing it with stakeholders inside of the corporation, but also at their competitors and outside in the market. So we're not a one customer type of vehicle here. We're really looking to solve broader market challenges through this relationship with a corporation. And I'm thinking if I'm a startup founder, you, you've probably solved one of my key problems in what's my first big customer. That's exactly right. And it's funny you say that because the CEOs that we hire come in and they have an established product, an idea, an MVP. They have a challenge that that product is solving. It may not have product market fit at that point, but it has certainly product customer fit, the beginnings of product market fit. They have funding because the venture fund that we're in a strategic partnership with uh, partners funds the seed round. And then the corporation has also funded some of the pre-seed. And then they also have an established ecosystem for talent around them. So it's really a phenomenal construct. And then, you know, if this company gets acquired, they have a liquidity event that can happen as early as three years from the time point at which they start. Why did you want to focus on the transportation slash mobility space, if, if I can use those two words interchangeably? Yeah, for me personally, I think that's where most of my daily life's challenges are, is moving people and goods from point A to point B traffic, e-commerce, business travel. These are real world problems that touch a lot of the physical assets that underpin our society. And these are some of the hardest things to actually shift. And so a lot of what we're doing is software for hardware. So how do you go in and really understand these systems, route these assets, you know, touch these assets and actually leverage them, optimize them, et cetera. So we're not in the hardware business. I should qualify that. As Uplabs, we don't develop new hardware. There may be one, our portfolios are six companies with every corporation, possibly one time out of six, we might do something in the IoT space, a little bit of a hardware and software hybrid, but we're really focused on the software and systems that make these assets run incredibly efficiently and sustainably too, because there's a lot of mandates now coming into automotive in particular that are causing massive shifts in that industry towards EVs. In terms of mostly avoiding hardware, then, is that just because in the transportation space, the, the time to market is so long for developing something that's new and maybe needs to go through certification or, or regulation, et cetera? That's part of it. But a lot of it is, I think, the companies that we work with in Porsche, namely, do a fantastic job in that space. Why reinvent the wheel, right? And so it's, it's really the biggest product pivot of all time is the shift from ICE vehicles to EVs. And I would say that even the most legacy automotive companies have, have mastered that beautifully. The difficult thing has been the software and services and kind of customer experience around that. And that's unfortunate for an OEM because the main touch point that they have is that dealership experience, but then they're not controlling or really as involved in the, the final years of experience after that. That's the bulk of what someone's experience is with your car brand. And that will determine whether or not they come back and buy from you again or never buy from you at all. Okay, then backing up a second, I think Uplabs launched maybe a little more than a year ago. Uh, and Porsche is your is slash was your, your first customer. Uh, what exactly are you doing with Porsche? Uh, you kind of mentioned you're building six companies overall. Where where are you at with uh, with that 
goal in mind. Yeah, that's right. We launched in January of 2022, and Porsche is our first and kind of flagship corporate partner. And we are in a three-year relationship with them. So we're launching six companies together, and we have now launched two of those companies. So one company we launched in March of 2023. Actually, they hosted South by Southwest this year, so we got to launch it there. It's called Cole Systems. And this is a battery health management platform. And when we spoke before and you wrote an article where you mentioned pull, I told you that the battery predictions are 33 days in advance. So we can predict whether or not a battery will fail 33 days before a failure. And we can actually shift that to a replacement event. We're now at up to 59 days. So this is this model is just getting smarter and smarter. And the reason why this is such an important problem, and I would put this in the category of, you know, this isn't being blasted all over the news. But when you look in depth at an organization that has this massive liability on their balance sheet, which is batteries in all the vehicles that they have out on the road. So a lesser known fact is one of the regulatory components of the EV space is that an OEM is responsible for a battery up to eight years after the vehicle sells. And so if that battery goes below a certain capacity, the OEM has to replace it. And these are, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, depending on the performance of the battery. And so this is just a massive liability, and it doesn't sound like a very big problem when you have a hundred thousand cars on the road and they're new, right? But this becomes an enormous challenge when you have a million aging cars on the road. And so we're shifting these replacement events to repair events, which is a lot less expensive, and it's also better for the customer experience as well. So, so that's pull systems, and then. We recently launched Sensigo, which is focused on the automotive repair and maintenance space more broadly, not just batteries, but all, all components on the vehicle. And it, it really targets the service technician and the service center, which is an integral part of the car owner experience. It is. And I feel like service technicians are, I don't want to say being left behind, but um, you know they're used to doing certain tasks related to a lot of internal combustion engines. And now... Uh, you know, the shift to EVs is underway. So if, if they're not feeling it yet, I feel like suddenly that their job requirements uh, will change significantly in the future, right? Is that what Sensigo addresses in some way? I think you're exactly right. What we've seen is there's a shift in the type of work that they're doing each day. So these are folks who formerly were doing oil changes. This is super high margin. There's a ton of throughput inside the service center base in doing that type of work. And now what happens is, you have multiple error codes displayed at once. A car comes in. Most of the time, folks call in advance. They bring the car in. There's no preview as to what the problem could be. And then this person who had formerly been focused on kind of the car hardware is now really focused on the car software and the integration between the hardware and the software. So even reinstalling a windshield, for example, there are probably 20 sensors associated with that process that you have to reattach. And what we're trying to do is really take the historical, so the quickest route to a fix, and apply AI to understand how we can direct a service technician to do this more quickly and efficiently. And then that's a better customer experience. It also increases the throughput and the profit of the service center of each bay. Because right now, the time that a car can sit in a bay, actually since COVID, has doubled, which is pretty shocking. People are keeping their cars for longer. Cars are more complex. It's really a computer on wheels. And so service centers have to adapt to that reality. And we believe that the main 
user in all of this is the technician. And that's who we really want to focus on. That's who's feeling the pain in his or her day job. Caitlin Foley is president of Uplabs. She spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News journalists Michael Martinez, Gail Howe, and Audrey LaForest for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with China auto industry expert Michael Dunn about tense relations between the Biden administration and the government over the world's largest auto market. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.